Sit With Us acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to the land this podcast is recorded on. We also pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Sit With Us, the podcast. I'm Ella. And I'm Dom. And this is your invite to sit with us and chat about all things relationships, reality TV, pop culture, and everything in between. Coming up on this episode. Obviously, don't do this. Like, I ripped off my shellac. No one knew about anything. Back in those days, like, talking about mental health was like, oh, my God. Like, no one knew anything. All right, guys, welcome back to Sit With Us. It feels as though I haven't recorded in a little while because amongst the travel and the shitty internet, it's been a bit of a challenge uh, this time around doing this long distance thing, babe. And also, last time we recorded, you were frozen the whole time, so I I wasn't really looking at you. Exactly. So we've we've got proper internet this time. I'm currently in Spain, and Ella can see me. I actually am moving. I'm not going to be stuck in one position, which is 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 nice. It's a step up in the world, which we love that. But I'm officially at the tail end of my holiday, and. I've got all the mixed feelings of like I don't want the holiday to end but also I've officially reached that point where I'm missing my bed, I'm missing Millie, I miss home, I miss all my regular routines of stuff. As much as I've like loved every moment of my holiday, I also am grateful for even feeling that like this because, you know, the fact that I'm even on a holiday and I feel like I can miss home, you know, yeah. and you just appreciate what you have so much more. You do. When you're away. You do. Isn't it funny how when you're on vacation and you're like in the most lush villa or hotel or scenic views and you're at the end of the trip and you just can't wait to get home? Like, isn't it just so weird how that happens? It's such a weird feeling. I think knowing all the travel that's ahead as well is kind of like, oh, I just want that over and done with. But it is our last day here in Spain and – Every moment that we've got now, we just want to enjoy. Mm. I don't want to wish it away because I know that when I'm home and in the thick of work again and, you know, just daily routine of cleaning the house and taking Millie out and, you know, taking the rubbish bins out and whatever, I'll miss this time. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm just so grateful. I've just I've had so many moments of like, oh, my God, like this is so cool that I'm here and the beaches here in Spain are just like I'm in Mallorca and I'm in the land of Love Island. The land of Love Island. I've figured out that they're filming Love Island like the next season literally three kilometres away from where I am right now, which is insane. So you went to this restaurant I saw. Can you just confirm so I'm not a foodie, I wouldn't say. I know that there's like yeah, restaurants. I'm not either. Yeah, like I'm, I'm like so low. Key. I'm like whatever. I don't care where we go. But when they say there's a chef's hat restaurant in Australia, well, how does that compare to a Michelin's hat? Okay, so Jack was trying to explain to me what a Michelin star is. Now, Michelin is like the tyres, right? They used to have like this guide of like the best things to do in a town and then it just became this thing where restaurants would get reviewed and it would have like a Michelin star which would mean it was good or fancy or something. Look, to be honest, I don't really know. All I know is 
this dinner was the most expensive dinner I'll ever fucking have in my life. And also it was the most weirdest and most intense experience of my life. Like each course would be brought out by a specific person. Like we each had our own personal waiter. They fully explain each aspect of the food. Is it like those places, like I've been to um, this place in Mornington called Point Leo Estate. When you say like weird and nice, I remember the dishes were weird because there was just, it was like so fancy and tasted not that great. Like I was like, I don't know. I'm a simple gal at the end of the day, okay? Like I love me just a Napolitana sauce with pasta and a bit of parmigiano on top. I'm simple, right? But these dishes, it had like 20 aspects to the one thing, right? So the first dish that came out, three different types of tomato in three different ways. Like, so it was like sorbet tomato. It was like this other thing of tomato. And then it was like a tomato soup, but it was clear. And it's like, okay, that's weird. And I was like, to the lady, do I eat it separately or do I eat it all together? Because I'm like, you have to tell me how to eat this. Yeah. Because I don't even know, you know. But regardless, it was incredible experience. It's one of those things that, you do I've it done once. it once and I won't be doing it fucking again. Like, do you know what I mean? I was like, we're here, we're at this resort, there's a Michelin star restaurant, let's just go and do it. I feel like we had to do it. It was memorable but do I remember the flavours? No, I don't. I'm f- all about that. We went to this random Italian restaurant that I've got to take you next time you're, you're here in Melbourne. It's called Figo. Yeah, please. It's so cute. It's called Figo and it's like super low-key, like five minutes from my house. Everyone's I Italian there. And like I had this gnocchi, I don't know, like tomato, parmesan, bit of chilli in it, gnocchi, and the gnocchi is all made at the restaurant fresh. Yum. And it was like perfect price, not overpriced, like just so traditional. And then we came home and it's just like you go to these like lushas extravagant, you know, overpriced restaurants that don't actually taste as good as just your low-key traditional down-the-road restaurant. Well, that's the thing. Like I don't know if you need to have a specific palate for this kind of food because I like ate it and I was like, okay, yeah, it's great. Like the produce is great. Like the presentation, like obviously each little thing is put in there with a fucking little tweezer. And I'm like, okay, well, do I eat that flour as well? Like I'm assuming everything that's on this plate I can eat. It was filling and like fulfilling, but also I did feel a little bit like, oh, okay, that's it now. Like it wasn't like, oh. But all I can say is like I'm glad we did it. It was just one of those things that you do on holiday because you're on holiday and whatever. Yeah. But we're heading back to Rome for a few days before we fly out and I will say I'm excited to go back to Rome because Rome is honestly one of my favourite places. I just love how like gritty and old and just magical it is and just going to eat as much gelato and pizza and pasta as I can before I get back because when we get back we're going to, yeah, reel it in a little bit with, Rich foods. How's your little um, nail fungi? Okay, update on nail fungus. So obviously don't do this. Like I ripped off my shellac, which I shouldn't, because one (laughs) was coming off, right? No, no, no. So this is the thing. And I'm one of those people that if one of my nails is fucked. Same. Nah, like get them all off. But why, why, question, why did you get shellac, not the gel X? Well, because we kept thinking, we, I mean the nail lady, <laughs> yeah. that I'm allergic to the gel X. Oh, right? okay. So we're, we're testing things. But 
I've decided that I'm going to be on a nail journey now where I'm not going to have anything on my nails. Like I'll just do normal polish if I need, but I'm going to really like I went on Amazon the other night and I ordered like some cuticle oils and like a like an at-home kind of like cuticle set so I can just do it myself and I'm going to let my nails breathe for a little bit, I've decided. so I think they might need a bit of a reborn sesh just to, yeah. you know, rejuvenate, heal, get rid of the fungi and just like a brand new nail. Yeah, fuck, it's been a bloody journey this year, seriously. And I've got a toenail update. Oh, yeah, has it grown? My toenail... Is so I went and got like the I got a pedicure and because I've been getting the acrylic, but they don't call it an acrylic. It's just like the the nail extension on my big toe, and yeah. um because it had been like six weeks since I'd got them done, and so she took off the shellac or the gel, and there's like I don't know less than half a centimeter of the fake nail there. So she just filed it away, but my toes grown back. So it's taken a year. So it takes a year for a full nail to grow. Yeah, August last year. Is that, I think it was, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, a year. So, babe, I've obviously missed out on a whole lot while I've been away, but I'm dying to hear how you went with my White Glow mouthwash toothpaste hack. Oh, yes, babe. If you guys aren't across it, Dom and I were just casually recording recently when she let me know she'd been using the White Glow mouthwash toothpaste before a little bit of sexy time. And it worked. My mouth stayed fresh the entire time and smelled just as fresh afterwards. Now, Ella, I remember you said you would give me a verdict. Did you give it a go? I really want to know. Look, babe, I'm a woman of my word and... I sure did. And now I know what you were talking about. Woo! Woo, woo, woo! Everything stayed fresh and it felt squeaky clean. And I didn't know how much better a fresh mouth could make things, babe. Right? See, I told you. I know. So it is up there with some of the most memorable advice you've actually given me, babe. And here we are. We're better for it. You're telling me now I'll never forget to pack my toothpaste in my travel bag again. I love that. I feel like this could be its own standalone bloody little I know. to be honest. Hey, it's like a little check-in. I know, fuck. I mean, there's probably other things that we could talk about. but I know. Well, look, we've got to get into it. Yeah. So last week I recorded an episode all around my binge eating history. And, look, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was really nervous uh, that day recording about it and even after I felt really nervous I spoke to Blake our producer and I was like like I guess even you know with Dom sharing what she's going to be sharing you know we are sharing a very deep uh, personal part of us and it's a part of our history and it's part of who we are today and you know we wanted to share it with you guys because we get asked it very often and we thought why not let's just put it on the platform where you guys can access it you know whenever if it's further down the track if new people come by and they they want to listen and learn or you know just feel motivated or inspired or so yeah i was definitely feeling very nervous recording that episode but i hope that you guys liked it and took away something from it or nothing if if you didn't but Today we are talking all things Dom's history and, yeah, I mean, it's going to be the same feels for you, babe. Yeah, which is so crazy. Like as I was sitting down yesterday and just writing dot points about uh, my mental health history, I was like, wow, I've been through so much but also fuck you're strong. And 
it was one of those moments where I'm like, shit, you've come so far. Because I thought back to that girl who was struggling when she was, you know, 14, 15. And it's a lot. And I just want to preface this before we get into this chat and just do a little bit of a trigger warning. I just want to put it out there because we are going to be talking about things that potentially can bring up past traumas in your life or bring up issues that you haven't fully explored in your own life. So we will leave a full list of resources in the show notes. But yeah, I just want to start out by saying, yeah, that this could potentially trigger you if um, that is something that's going on in your life. But yeah, I just want to start out by, you know, when I shared, started to share my journey of going off antidepressants, I feel like it's it started this whole movement and it's so amazing. Like I'm still getting messages of people who are just catching up on the episodes now and and messaging me about listening to me speak about it so openly has, you know, released their shame um, about talking about antidepressants so openly. And honestly, I, I feel as though out of everything I've done so far as on a public platform, that's one of my greatest achievements because I feel as though that's something I really want to lend my voice to more because I know a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about it as open but I know that when it is spoken about openly it brings down those walls and we can stop shaming it and yeah so it's something I'm really proud of but I just want to start out at the start I guess. Let's go back in time to yeah where it all started 15 14 year old Domenica. Well I want to go back to even like 10 year old Domenica because I'm you know, speaking to my mum about it, because obviously I don't remember a lot of when I was a kid. Like I have like little flashbacks and stuff, but I do know that when I was in primary school, I was an anxious kid and I would always like have kind of like sore bellies and complain about that stuff. And my mum would like take me to obviously to like the specialist and see if there was anything wrong with that. I would just say, no, it's just like gas. And even from a young age, I don't think they realise or could put two and two together that that was anxiety. But I know looking back on it that that definitely was anxiety because I know now as an adult, if I'm anxious, I feel, you know, you, you get butterflies in your tummy or whatever. So, yeah, so that started when I was quite young. But then going to like year seven, so I want to start in year seven. So that's high school for me. I got caught up in a wrong crowd and I guess – it probably all tied in with my anxiety, to be honest with you, because I was kind of probably rebelling against how I was feeling. I had a bad experience with a few teachers making me feel dumb, specifically in maths class. I've always struggled with maths. And I think if I had gotten a good teacher that had like nurtured that and seen that I was struggling, it, things could have been so different. Getting to then year eight, year nine, my social anxiety started to get really bad. And I started associating school with pit in my stomach, not wanting to be there. I just knew I was going to make be feel dumb. And that's when my school refusal started. And I know when I say school refusal, it can kind of sound like it's something that's not real, but it is a real thing. And I got, I pulled up on the internet um, like a proper de definition of it. Um, school refusal describes the disorder of a child who refuses to go to school on a regular basis or has problems staying in school. Children may avoid school to cope with stress or fear for a vast number of reasons. And for me, my school refusal was because I associated school with feeling dumb, feeling 
not good enough. And then I associated it with feeling sick. So then obviously my mind's like, no, why would you want to go to a place where you feel like fight or flight? It's like, no, you're not going there. So my school refusal really started badly in like the end of year eight, year nine, to the point where even in my personal life, my social anxiety was so bad. I was like dancing a lot of the time, like five days a week. I eventually didn't want to go to dancing anymore. I didn't want to go to social outings. I wouldn't even leave the house to go shopping. So my social anxiety began to get really, really bad with a point I didn't want to leave the house. Like I, I just, it was like really, really bad. So during this time, obviously my parents like, uh, you know, took me to the GP and then I was referred to Southwest Sydney Youth I can't remember the full name of it, but it was like a specific mental health unit in Southwest Sydney for youth. And that's where I started seeing a psychologist and a psychiatrist on a weekly basis. At this point, you know, you're you're young, you're at high school, you've just formed friendships with like new people. And mm. did you have friends at that time that you like would tell? No one knew about anything. Like it was back in that in those days, like uh, talking about mental health was like, oh my god, like something. No wrong one with knew you. anything. Yeah, like it was bad enough that like even my family, like my uncles and aunties, knew. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like it was so hush hush. And at that point, like obviously our school refusal. So then, at that point in year nine, I fully dropped out of school. So I dropped out of mainstream school. I don't like calling it normal school because that's bullshit. There's nothing normal about that and as I was going to this mental health um, like clinic the psychiatrist there referred my mum on to um, city distance education high school which is where I ended up finishing my schooling years which was the best years of my life so started with a psychiatrist I was doing a lot of of work like psychologist, psychiatrist, cognitive behavioural therapy, a lot of fucking work. Even leaving the house to go to the shops was like work for me because I was I was so anxious just with life in general. It was fucking really bad. The mental health work in the background was a lot of work so shout out to my parents who literally like my mum pretty much like stopped her life to take me to all these appointments make sure I was taking my medication you know make sure I was doing all of my schooling because at this point I was doing distance education which meant I was doing school from home so how distance education works is there is a physical school and it's in Woolloomooloo in Sydney and you would have a teacher who you could contact through email through phone but how it works was they would send you like it would be through the mail. So it was like school by mail. It was amazing. Like I I loved my schooling with them. They would send you out like little booklets and they would be your weekly work. And it was all based off the syllabus of what everyone else was doing in normal school or mainstream school, uh, but I would just be doing it from home. So I would be doing specifically the syllabus points of every subject, whether that be history, maths, English, whatever. So in the background of doing all of this mental health work, I'd be – also needing to keep up with school like you're going through all of this as a teenager and it's like what do I want to do with my life you know it's bad enough I don't want to get out of bed but also what am I going to do as an adult you know like you've got all of these stresses as a teenager there's so many like you've got to know what you want to do with your life when you're fucking 16 are you kidding me 
Like, I don't know where that idea come, comes from. Like, I had no idea what I want. Like, I still don't know what I want to do in my exactly. life. Exactly. Like, it was like the fucking shittest time of my life because I'm being told on one end, you know, you need to look after yourself and you need to heal, you know, with your depression and work with going on medication and, oh, that one doesn't work, so we have to wean off that and we have to try another one. So it's all of this in the background as I'm trying to be a normal teenager, trying to do school, trying to have all these relationships, still dancing as well and having that as my outlet. Dancing definitely turned into my outlet for me, which thank God it was, and I had all of my girlfriends who were still like my friends to this day. But, yeah, my teenage years were fucking shit, guys. I'm not going to lie there like they were a struggle I was dealing with all of this internal struggle but then also trying to still maintain normal life as a teenager whilst doing school at home and hearing all of my girlfriends dancing who were going to mainstream school and having all of these experiences so like I missed out on having like a formal and I didn't have all of these normal experiences as as a teenager right which it's like oh I'm seeing all of my friends have a formal and get dressed up and have all these nice things and you know I'm going to go and I go and see them before they go to their formal and I did Isabella's makeup for her formal and all of the you know so it was kind of weird but I look back on it now and I'm like I, I loved every bit of it because it was so it was what I needed at the time yeah but one of my greatest achievements for me personally in life was the fact that I finished year 10 for the first time in my life actually passed maths, like got over 50% in a math test. That's very good. I never did that. I know. I, we, I'm like I'm a 30-year-old woman and I'm still fucking proud of that. Yeah, no, you, you know should what I mean? be. Like it's one of those, be. you know, because like maths for me was always fucked and even by doing maths myself at home I was able to pass. So I was still very proud of that. And Finally got to year 11 and 12 and did my senior years and graduated high school. And for me, which is still one of my greatest achievements that I did my year 12, got my HSC, got an amazing score, got into university with a scholarship to UNSW, University of New South Wales in Sydney, got like a $60,000 scholarship, which university for me, I never wanted to go to university. It was always a dream of my mum's, like she never got to go to university and I feel as though, and we've spoken about this, she knows about this so I don't think she'll mind me talking about it, but it was never something I wanted to do. Like even I got into doing a Bachelor of Arts but it was never what I wanted to do. Like I didn't know what I wanted to study. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and did it and I did one semester and it, definitely wasn't for me like university life was not like it was just another it brought on more anxiety of my life because I had to get on a train go to university do a full day of that travel again like the travel was like two hours a day it it was a lot for me and at that time in my life that was not something I could mentally cope with that then again put me into another spiral of anxiety and social anxiety again because I wasn't ready to be put into that life so that brought on a whole new spiral of anxiety for me and by this time I was like 18 which I then was so I did one semester of university and I was like look I'm 
this isn't for me, mum, I can't do this. But I also knew I didn't want to just be sitting at home doing nothing. So when I was 18 and I stopped uni, I was like, okay, what about TAFE? Loved TAFE. I then went to TAFE and did a cert three and four in business administration, which taught me so much. Actually, I really loved my TAFE. I still have, still got TAFE friends now that I met at TAFE, which is great. I feel like it was a more laid back environment. It wasn't so hectic. I could drive there. It was all cool. So I, I did TAFE. And then after TAFE, I got a job in a transport company. And I've never actually spoken about this, what happened to me there. So I got a job as the receptionist at a transport company in my local area, which was all well and good. It was a full-time job. It was my first ever like full-time nine-to-five job, like full-on, you know, like in an actual career, right? And then um, there was this older man that was working there that I would have to communicate with because I was like the front of house and I had to like organise shit being the receptionist and it started out with some inappropriate emails uh which I thought okay well you know um and I'm a friendly person so I didn't think anything of it I just thought oh well this person's just trying to be friendly whatever blah blah then it got to uh an incident in the lunchroom where he touched me inappropriately and this happened twice And being a young and impressionable 19-year-old, this is my new job, what the fuck, what I did as a 19-year-old, I went and told the boss who then proceeded to tell me, well, you wear skirts to work instead of pants, so you're giving the wrong idea. You're friendly, which gives the wrong idea. This is literally verbatim what they said to me. And they just said, oh, he's been like that with a lot of other female workers. He does that. That's just how he is. This is legitimately what they said to me. So I know deep in my core I'm like, this is not right. I'm going to the police. Like, this is not right. Like, if you're not going to help me, I'm going to go to the police, which is what I did. I also continued working there at that time, which obviously is going to stir up some shit, right, if I'm calling the police on this business and the police are going to come and interview this guy and try and interview people at work who the people at work who were related to these people didn't want to speak to the police because they knew that they would be getting the business into shit. So I lost my job because I complained about being sexually harassed in the workplace as a 19-year-old, which was once again not great for my fucking mental health at all, was it? Like you can imagine this was an, a, a big blow to my self-esteem, my confidence, everything. I was once again in a really bad place mentally. I didn't know how I was going to ever work in an office environment again because it was so triggering and traumatising for me. Like, oh, my God, I have to watch my back all the time like oh my god like what's going to happen is is this going to happen again which was a really scary thought you know to be in that place as you know by this time I was like 20 so this is like 10 years ago and I look back on those 10 years that are between now and then and how much I've grown and how much strength I got from that 
time in my life and going through that. And it's not something you fucking want to be going through as a 20-year-old young woman working at her first job. And, yeah, it was a male-dominated industry and I don't give a fuck if it's a male-dominated industry. It was and still is a disgusting thing that happened to me. And as a woman, right, I was so lucky that I had a family behind me. I had somewhere to live. Even if I lost my job, I would still have my family to support me. But if you are a woman who is, you have to work no matter what the fuck's happening in your life because you need the money, you need a roof over your head, you're going to not speak up. But I just want you to know if you're going through this and you feel like it's helpless, I promise you there is a way that you can make this right and there is a way out. I I definitely want to explore this more and there is obviously so much more to my mental health story. Like we haven't even gone through my days of dating and having heartbreaks and then going through my divorce and that's a whole other chapter of my life that we'll get into at some stage and in some capacity. But I think we'll we'll leave it there because otherwise we could be talking for days on end about this. But I really hope that this was insightful for you guys. And like I said at the beginning, if this has brought up feelings or emotions, we will leave resources in the show notes. And like always, you can always reach out to us in the DMs, in the Facebook group and we can discuss this more. But, um, yeah, I really hope that this was insightful for you guys and I hope that it stirs up a conversation and we can chat about this further in the Facebook group because, yeah, if you have any questions, please let me know. But I'll happily answer them in the Facebook group. And I think as well, like, after recording my last episode around the binge eating and now, you know, your mental health history, I think it's just also a really great reminder to you guys as listeners you know, we are just normal, ordinary chicks. We've lived very similar lives to all of you guys, you know, before obviously maths and that then changed our life. But, you know, in this moment today, having the courage to share an experience and parts of us that we hope will help you find the courage within to share with a friend, at least someone or anyone to just share. Because the more that you guys talk about traumas or, you know, horrible experiences that may have happened in childhood, the more that we talk about this with people who we can trust and that people that we love, the better you will feel about it. And also the more you're going to accept that part of your life, because I think it's really easy for us to you know, like you mentioned, put things aside and get on with it. It is really easy and that's not dealing with it. You know, these things that we've both shared with you guys in our own stories are really serious things and we've, we've both dealt with them and can will continue to deal with them forever. You know, it's not just a quick fix. Both of our experiences, they're things that we constantly will be working on day to day. So just remember that, like we are also – just your normal chicks like put aside the social media put aside all the blue ticks and all that fucking shit like we are just normal chicks like you um or guys if you're listening to like we really are and we go through it as well yeah I think you just put it so beautifully there babe and yeah thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode guys and I really hope that 
you know, you can take something out of this. And if not, if you aren't experiencing or haven't experienced something like this, but, you know, that you have a friend, just be that person for them. Be that friend. Be that comfort because we all need someone like that. So if you haven't gone through it, be that person for your mate. Check in. Check in with your friends. Yeah. Check in. Send the message. I think we say this very often. Tell them that you love them. Let them know that you're there for them. If there's anything they want to chat about, you know, this is a safe space. Like just remind your friends that they have they can find that within you. Because sometimes yeah. we forget that. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget and we forget as friends that we have those people that we can lean on as well. And just that, you know, just a little gentle reminder just to let your mates know that I'm I'm here. Yeah. And that's that's what we're doing, guys. We're just saying we're here too. Yeah, we're here too. Oh, that was really nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I guess we'll... Yeah, I think yeah. that's how we can end it, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, we'll chat soon. Happy Wednesday or whatever day it is, wherever you are. I forget that... Happy whatever day, <laughs> whatever time yeah, it is. Yeah, I, f- I forget that people may not listen to it when it actually goes live. But have an amazing day. We love you lots. And thank you so much for being a part of our community. Love your guts, guys. Love your guts. Love your guts. (laughs) Bye.